the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We define ourselves very often by how much gold we have, by how important we are, what is our status in life, what have we achieved, and the like. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You are most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentanko, with today's message entitled, Holy His and Our High Calling. We'll bring you the conclusion to this broadcast here today. Remember, you can find the entire message online at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, here is Pastor Michael Oxentanko. He loves you because He loves you. And friend, He wants us to love people because we should love them. And get this notion out of our minds that we love them because they're good to us or they measure up in our minds. No one does. We love people for the same reason Jesus did. To give back to God who gave Jesus for the whole world. We can only do it by loving others. That is what it means to be wholly His and to recognize our high calling and light of the cross and thus be a Christian. Someone could ask me the question, Pastor Mike, what is Bible perfection? And Bible perfection is loving others and loving God. That's it. That's Bible perfection. So when people talk about getting perfect to vindicate the character of God as if God's a weakling and can't do it himself, I'd like you to know that when you love God and you love others, as far as God is concerned, by faith, you're perfect. You grow in that, but that is what he is seeking in our lives. Nassim Nicholas Tlaib once wrote that love without sacrifice is like theft. To love is to give. To give is to sacrifice. And to sacrifice is to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. He's our hero. We hear far too many sermons in the church today, and I've written some that I'm ashamed of in the past, about what God can give me or how God can meet my needs. As Christians, we don't live for those things anymore. We live to give. We live to sacrifice. We live to love. We live for God because Jesus died for us and Jesus is God. And when we are doing the things that Jesus would do, it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. I like this. For the love of Christ controls us. Some people say, well, what would control me? My life's out of control. I can't seem to do what's right. I seem to fall into sin. Now notice what it says here. It doesn't say the fear of God controls you. It says the love of Christ controls us. Now in Deuteronomy 10, 12, the fear of the Lord is to love the Lord your God. The right kind of fear is the love of God. For the love of Christ controls us. This is a Christ-centered life because, and here's the reason for it, because we are convinced that one has died for all. 
I mean, this notion that Christ didn't need to die for our sins robs you of the love of God in your life. This idea he only came to reveal his love is nonsense. Christ came to die for you and to reveal his love. Both are true. And if you deny the first part, you can forget the love of God being in your life. You move into narcissism because it's all about you. It's all about what you can grow and do rather than what Jesus did for you. And yes, he reveals the love of God. But friends, he died for your sins because your sins are awful. Therefore, all have died, Paul says. He took our place. He became the collective human where all of humanity was placed in Christ at the cross. And when he died from Adam to the end, the human race died in Christ. In verse 15, he died for all that those who live. And you see, those who live are those who have faith. That those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Gives me goosebumps to read this section of Paul's writings. Friend, in light of the cross, I want to be wholly his, wholly his. And the high calling of what it means to be a Christian, holiness is being wholly his because he loved us. And that means certain things to me. Let me just share with you what it means to me. First, Jesus gave himself for me, so I want to give myself to him. Is that rational? Yes, it's the reasonable reaction to that wonderful gift. Also, Jesus lived for my sake and God's glory. I want to live for him and for God's glory because of that. Jesus died for me. I want to die to this world for him. Is that rational? Yes, it should be emotional too. Jesus rose from the dead for me. I want to rise to a new life in Christ every day for him. I really don't want to be perfect so I can be perfect or look perfect. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't want to be perfect so I can be perfect or look perfect. That's all about me. I want to be perfect so I can be like him, be with him, make him feel good about his sacrifice for me and his work in my life. And that's all about him and not about me. I don't want to be perfect to prove something to God or to the universe so as to act like I can win the great controversy for God as if I'm God in some way. No, I don't want to act that way. That's just arrogance. Too big a thing for me to tackle. I just want to be perfect one day at a time in his plan so I stand in his perfect presence to honor Jesus, my hero, who deserves all the glory and all the worship and all the credit my sinful heart can give him. One day I want to be sinless, so it's the better kind of prayer and worship. Less of me and more of him is the good choice I must make every day of my life in the selfless journey, the broken journey, when I come to the cross in my need as a sinner to be wholly his. So much of Christian living these days is the toy box and playpen for narcissism. The narcissist Christian wants to look good when in reality they need to see themselves as anything but good. It's when we see ourselves as sinners. We realize that, you know, God be merciful to me as sinner, as the publican said, that we can be accepted and justified. God can work with that. That's why the Sermon on the Mount says, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's in our poverty, it's our need that we have the kingdom of God, Jesus says. The narcissist Christian wants to look good when in reality we need to know that we are not good. Paul lived most of his early life as a Jewish Christian, taking selfies in his attempt to look good, to please God, to gain favor in his self-made religion. Paul tells us all about it in Philippians 3, 4-7. Take your Bibles and turn with me. Paul writes, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, 
If another man thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. He's kind of bragging about that. Now look at verse 5. This gets good. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. Now what does Pharisee mean? Pharisee, it comes from a Hebrew word, and also has a Greek equivalent, which means to set apart, set apart for God. Holy ones, that's kind of what it means, kind of like John Wesley's holiness club. Look at verse 6. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, And then he says, verse 7, but, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Forget that stuff. Paul is saying that nothing I had or have is worth more than Jesus. The riches of my youth are worth giving up. The fame and reputation I earned is worth letting go. Status that I had is okay to let it go for Jesus and let it be gone forever. Perfection, who needs it if it's all about the law and my own works and not about Jesus? In the Greek text, it says, I count these things as sewer stuff for Jesus. How can anything be compared to Jesus? How can you have the whole world and not have Jesus? What is the world worth? So you can take the whole world like rubbish, but give me Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. Verse 8, indeed. I count everything as loss because, here's the motivating factor in his life, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. Not to look good, not to gain something, not to have a church position, not to have this, that. No, for Jesus' sake I have suffered all things, the loss, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul is saying that my life is no longer about things in me. My life is about Jesus, the ultimate person in my life. When I give up these things, I find him as my friend and Lord. I gain Jesus, so I give them all up for Jesus. Paul says, in order that I may gain Christ. Then in verse 9, and be found in him. You find something or someone when they're lost. And so Paul says, I gave this up so I would be found, not having a righteousness of my own based on law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul is saying goodbye to looking good to impress God anymore. Goodbye on good works of the law that are just my works and my best efforts and not God's work for me and God's work in me by grace and faith. No, let that stuff go that I may gain Christ. Goodbye to my kind of narcissistic righteousness that is a selfie far removed from his kindness, his kind kind of righteousness that is a selfless and objective righteousness that is God's gift, God's righteousness that comes to me that's not my manufactured one. And why does Paul say goodbye to these things? Why does he say this? The things that so many Christians hang on to, to be religious and to look good. Because he knows it's worthless in the end. Verse 10, that I may know him. That's the reason. These things get in the way that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Friend, the new life is not about I, me, and my. It's not about you either. The new life is about Jesus, my and your hero. 
And what about perfection? What kind of perfection really matters to me in my life anymore as a Christian? Verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or I am already perfect, Paul says. He says, I don't claim it. I'm an apostle. I've lived a long life. I'm not perfect. That's why I always get nervous around people who think they're so perfect. They're God's gift to the church. I don't like hearing that stuff. Paul wouldn't say it. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. That perfection thing is wrapped up in him and not me, Paul says. The more I get of him, the more I will obtain it because he is in me and with me. So let me focus on him because he has already made me his own. He's accepted me at the beginning of the journey, not when I fix it all up and it gets better at the end. I start the journey as his, perfectly his, wholly his, in the high calling that I have. Verse 13, he says, brethren, I do not consider that I have made it, it, that's perfection, my own. But one thing I do forgetting what lies behind. We all have those things in our life where we've messed up. We regret things and they can trap us. It could be trauma from early childhood. It could be a professional failure, a failed relationship. He says, forgetting what lies behind. God does not live in your past to condemn you. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize. Now here it is. Of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going up. I'm not going down. I'm going where Jesus goes. Paul is saying that he is wholly his. And one day, Paul will be perfect because of that fact alone. And what does that mean for our everyday out-of-control lives? Because let's face it, we have lives at times that are out of control. It means we give up on the business of trying to look good and be good to have an acceptance with God. And we pursue a relationship with Jesus because of Jesus For the beauty of who Jesus is, because of his noble character, and because Jesus has claimed us at the cross because he died for us. Thus we are his. Before you may have returned a faithful tithe and a good offering to make yourself look good in the church. There are times people, you know, they take that tithe envelope, you know, and they wave it around the church, maybe show the other side of how much was given, and they stick it in the box. We've seen that kind of thing. Maybe we've done it. That's the way it was before, but in Jesus, you quietly return it, you don't let anyone see, and you give, and you stuff it in the box, and Jesus looks good, and not you, because Jesus has made you his own. How can you compete with the cross in your life? You can't. So you give because of the cross and for the cross, and that is the new delight of life. Before the cross, you may have lived to impress others by dressing up to gain attention, Addressing a little less than you should to gain attention. Address too low at the top, too high at the bottom, or too tight maybe. Maybe that you want people to know you're beautiful, and that's your way of saying it. It may gain the eyes of men who are wired to see it. But what does it mean to Jesus who has bought you, precious daughter of Sarah, daughter of Zion, with a price so that you are precious to him? How would he want his daughter to appear before the sons of men? Whereas before you dressed or skimped in that dress to impress, but now you walk in humility and nobility and modesty and simplicity without the jingle and the jangle of jewelry so others will see Christ in you, the precious daughter of Sarah, like Peter speaks about. Paradoxically, 
That is when a woman really becomes beautiful, when she no longer feels like she has to impress others with her selfie all the time. And the same goes for men. Men fall into the same trap in the state in which we live. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Friend, before the cross, you used to read love novels maybe and watch DVD movies or go to the theater to see things that angels in Christ would be ashamed of that glorify immorality, lust, and greed. Maybe you did it because it's culturally significant. No, sin is not culturally significant. It should be eliminated from our lives. But how can you stay there with these things anymore when Jesus cannot be found there? And so the believer says no to anything that would take Jesus out of his or her life. You can go on and on, and the cross is the key that defines what we are as believers in Jesus. Are we people of the cross or not? We are assailed every day with the world's rotten stuff that must be crucified to us every day. And it must be crucified in us every day so that we can have Christ in us, the hope of glory, the pearl of great price that is Jesus. Friend, there's nothing in this world worth more than Jesus. We are living on the eve of Jesus' return. How many of you feel it? We're living before the coming of Christ. It may not happen this year. What is most important right now is for us to be ready for the coming of Christ. It could be 10 or 20 years But we're not looking at more than that, maybe. We're looking in our lifetime, our generation, world events shifting for the coming of Christ. It is very likely that you will be alive to see heaven open and Jesus Christ return. Awesome privilege for the final generation. So count the cost of the cross. Take the cross. Decide in your heart to be a humble Christian following Jesus. For Christianity, not to be about you, but about others. Seize the crown. Don't ever look back in your high calling to become just like him, holy his. Rene Robert was a world-renowned photographer. I'm a photographer. I really like photography. Rene Robert was a world-renowned photographer and artist in Paris, France, who dedicated his life to photographing guitarists and singers. More than 500 people die every year in the streets of Paris, France. That's a fact. This year, Rene was one of them. What makes him different than the homeless and the poor that often die this way is that he was not one of them. He was famous, well-to-do, and well-known, unlike them, but he died nonetheless just like them. Why? He fell. He fell. We all fall. He fell. And when we fall, we hope that someone will notice that fact and come to our aid. I mean, have you ever fallen down someone just walked by and you felt awful? How does it feel when you fall and say, oh, let me help you? Don't you feel empowered by that? Have you done that for someone else? We all fall. And when we fall, we hope, as I said, someone will notice that fact and come to our help and aid. We hope someone will care enough to lift us up. We hope we will not be left alone in the street to die. On January 19, a little past 9 p.m., Renee Robert fell while taking his nightly walk on the street in his neighborhood. 
It was a busy street full of people coming and going back and forth. But right there at 89 Rue de Turbago, Rene fell in plain view where everyone could see him fall. Boom. Right there on the sidewalk street, you could see it. And no one knows if he fell because he was dizzy or if he just slipped. Does it matter? He fell. And that is where he stayed, lying on the sidewalk in plain view between an optometrist clinic and a bottle shop. People walking by him, back and forth, he fell. He was unable to move, but he was in clear view of so many people coming and going, concerned about themselves and their little selfie concerns of life, and unconcerned with the man who fell. Rene Robert lived to take pictures of others. That's what good photographers do. They don't say, oh, let me take a picture of myself. They're not into selfies. They're into capturing the beauty of things around them, of people around them. Most people live for themselves and their selfies, but not a good photographer like Rene. They frame themselves to be noticed, not Rene. Hours passed and the streets became empty. Rene was still there, easy to see. No one stopped or bent down to see why he was on the sidewalk fallen. At 6 a.m., about eight hours later, someone finally noticed him and made the call to the Paris Fire Brigade, which is an emergency service center for helping people. Kind of like our 911 call. Rene was taken to the hospital, but he couldn't be revived at the hospital. Rene spent too many hours on the ground when he needed someone to help him. His best friend, Michelle, who was a journalist, shared that he was a discreet man who didn't try to look important at all. He wasn't in the business of drawing attention to himself. Here's what he said about Rene. He was very attentive to everyone, funny, but a man of few words. He spoke in a soft voice like many photographers. He didn't like to talk a lot. He always wore a hat for years, then he quit. He was very elegant in flamenco style with a polka dot kerchief. It was both a moral and a physical elegance. And when you saw him, you asked yourself, who is this man? Is he someone important? Michelle was interviewed on French public television about the loss of his friend. Michelle shared with his countrymen that Rene was killed by indifference. He said this, Before giving others lessons and accusing anyone, I have to respond to a question that makes me uncomfortable. Am I 100% sure that if I was confronted with the same scene, a man on the ground, I would have stopped? Would I never skirt around a homeless person who I see lying against a door, not being 100% sure is a pain that follows me? But we are in a rush, we are in a hurry, we have our lives, and we look away. Michelle shared how he searched diligently for the good man who bent down to check in and find Rene. He wanted to know who was the man that found his friend lying down there in the morning. Who was the good man who bothered to take notice of Rene, who called the Paris Fire Brigade? Michelle searched for hours and a couple of days until he found him. He discovered that that good man was a homeless man who lived in the neighborhood. And that homeless man didn't want anyone to know his name. He didn't want to become famous for doing this. He helped him. Friend, Jesus came to this world to find every single person who falls down in life. If you have fallen flat on your face, Jesus came to save you. If you feel fallen, Jesus came to save you. You live in a world of people who have fallen. Jesus died for them, just like you. Friend, Jesus cares about us, every one of us, as if there is no other person in the universe. When you are wholly His, the Bible says we must have a holiness by which no man or woman will see God. 
To be wholly his, it means we make Christ in us the hope of glory, not us. And when you are wholly his, the world is your business. It is your high calling to know Jesus. You live to influence others in kindness for Jesus. That means the people who fall down in life in your sphere of influence are your holy concern, your love interest, no matter how perfect or imperfect they are. And friend, you may be surprised one day to find that the person you helped who fell, the person you helped without blowing a trumpet that only you and God and they are aware of, you may be surprised to find that when no one was looking, that that person you helped was Jesus in the person of the one who has fallen. May God help us to have Christ in us, the hope of glory. How many of you want to affirm that Jesus is our hero? Raise your hand. How many of you want to affirm there's nothing in us worth bragging about, right? Come on, it's healthy to admit that. And how many of you want the humble, sacrificial road of the servant who died for us to live for others? I affirm my hand on this. Holy His is our high calling. God bless you in Jesus. Dear Father God, as we bow our heads, thank you that you care about the person who falls. You care about the person who can fall. And you don't care about whether they have or not. You love them. You love us. Help us to never be critics, but be in the grace business of helping people find the one who loves them. And by so doing, know that he's in us. Bless your people, Lord. Keep them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen, and thank you, Pastor Michael Oxentanko. That will conclude a message he entitles Holy His and Our High Calling. Today's Reaching Your Heart. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com, and thank you so much for listening today. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org video. Reachinghearts.org video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. Reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.